follow the best implemented plan with as close to universal buy-in as we can get to get over this. You know, and that's a bit optimistic, I understand, but right now it's a bit come see, come saw. Uh, you're, you're right, a, a vaccinated person, you know, the, 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 the disease doesn't go, oh, you're vaccinated, I'm going to go elsewhere. It doesn't read, it doesn't have a consciousness. So a vaccinated person can carry, no doubt. Now, the vaccine is likely to um, bolster your immune system to end that virus, so you're you're uh, uh, contagious less long. But if you're in the presence of someone who isn't vaccinated, yeah, absolutely, it can jump from your system onto them. Ten, three, one, go. That's already been gone. Put the mic on his face. Hey, Gary, can you hear me? I sure can. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. Sorry about last week. That's uh, all right. You know, technology is a conceit that's predicated on the fact that it works all the time and it doesn't. You're right. And uh, but th this particular one, I just didn't hit one particular button. Like it was like one of those where like it's right in front of your face and you're just like, what's going on? Been and, there. Uh, I do a podcast and yeah, I had okay. that with the guest one time and it was just a button. And today I can't get my earbuds to work. So I'm just talking through the um, machine and I have no idea, but whatever. Okay. All right. No if worries. You can hear me and it sounds okay. I've got a yeah, good mic good. set up and it's working. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I just so, came on early, but you know, just to set things up and make sure that, you know, it's nighttime. I guess it is for you too. Yeah. Yeah. Look uh, right in the back there. Yeah. It's nighttime. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah. I was, I was ready for nine o'clock, but we're, we're good. We're good to go. Yes. Yeah, good, hey. to, good to talk to you. I, I, I honestly, I was really looking forward to talking to you last week and I was bummed out that it wasn't working. And then with each minute that was going by, I was, you know, I was getting more and more deflated, like, Oh, like this is cause I was getting amped up for it. You know how it feels. I was, when you're excited I, I, about I, guest. I was looking for, forward to it too but like i say I, I i roll with whatever happens in life yeah yeah that's my you know i'm old enough to know that shit happens oh man um does it ever and shit is happening all over the country one of those things is immigration spilling over oh yeah across the southern border and i know that liam had spoken to you yeah about not that I'm political, I'm not political necessarily, but with this lockdown and with everything and COVID and it shut down my business, I have started to actually investigate politics and mm -hmm. why, why do the rules not make sense? You know, put on your mask now, now don't put on your mask, now six feet, you stay away. But it, in this particular scenario, yes, in this particular scenario, no. Right. It just feels like that nobody has their... It, there's not one united message that everybody gets across. The, are, are we? We're recording now, right? We're on. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is bona fide. Well, what you're talking about is very relevant to, to all of us, and it's something that I think about a lot too. Now, you know, as a general rule, um, you know, I, I lean to the left. I consider myself a progressive in that my fundamental issues are are civil rights, are are uh, opportunity egalitarianism, equality, things like that. I tend to lean liberal. But that doesn't mean that um, 
liberal meaning Democrat in today's context. It doesn't mean that what Democrats are doing is always correct, vice versa, of course, as well. When it comes to COVID, I don't see either party doing particularly well. Um, I, 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 we've never been down this road before. And so I, the, the rules get made up as we go. For example, Aaron Rodgers. Well, on, in my world, which is in the left, I'm reading posts like he should be thrown out of the NFL. He risked people's lives. Um, he should have a fine and, and that's gigantic and hurts his paycheck. And he should be suspended from a number of games. Well, everybody expected me to say, well, yeah, absolutely. Because I do. I'm a vaxxer and I'm a masker. Because I err on the side of caution. But if everyone's not going to wear a mask, meaning in Walmart and the grocery store and everywhere else, it's not really going to work. In other words, if it isn't a universal um, conformity to where we all understand, like fighting polio, for example, it isn't going to work. So Aaron Rodgers being not vaxxed, but a homeopathic, you know, um, uh, immunization, the fact that he didn't wear a mask, he didn't really risk anybody's lives any more than the people that I saw at Walmart today. I know I'm sort of rambling, but if we're not going to have a cohesive, comprehensive, where most people, and we'll never get everybody, agree that, hey, this is the path to take, and all of the rules and restrictions need to be consistent. China, for example, has put into their system, not that we need to emulate China in a lot of ways, however, they put into their system where COVID began, if you're a business and their spread of COVID Immediate shutdown. We shut down. It's over. We open back up again. So everybody is aware of the fact that, hey, it's a 100% implementation of these rules or it doesn't work. Yeah. Going back, we could hit on China in just a second. Going back to Aaron Rodgers, it, it has been proven, though, also that vaccinated people are just as likely to spread COVID as unvaccinated people. In fact, it's like I saw a study, it's like, it's like it, it, almost identical that you are able to. And in a game of football where you see coaches well, wearing just, face masks on the sidelines, but then they're sending people in to, right. you know, literally be on right. the gridiron and literally swap all of the fluids that you possibly have in your body uh, of with course. each other. You know, and so it's a ludicrous, yeah. it's ludicrous to be nitpicking in one area, unless there's a blanket. Hey, if you're in the NFL, you've got to be vaccinated. Look, I'm taking a cruise ship with my wife next week. 2,500 people. We all have to be vaccinated, prove it, and even take a test right there. Well, I would be interested. That's how to they find protect out. themselves. Well, I would be interested to find out how many of you guys come back with COVID, as everybody on the ship is going to be vaccinated. That'd be a it very would be interesting step. An interesting experiment to see what happens. Yeah. Look, we haven't been down this road before. It's new territory. And I understand that nobody really knows everything. Right. You know, there's been waffling. Are the masks effective? Are they not? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I don't believe it is, is a government uh, attempt to control us 
and 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 imposition upon our freedoms. Not really. So you're not a not one really. world order conspiracy theorist. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, it, it's look. I believe that we should, in a in a conscious moral society, do what we can, follow the best implemented plan with as close to universal buy-in as we can get to get over this. You know, and that's a bit optimistic, I understand, but right now it's a bit come see, come saw. Uh, you're, you're right, a, a vaccinated person, you know, the, 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 the disease doesn't go, oh, you're vaccinated, I'm going to go elsewhere. It doesn't read, it doesn't have a consciousness. So a vaccinated person can carry no doubt. Now, the vaccine is likely to um, bolster your immune system to end that virus, so you're you're uh, uh, contagious less long. But if you're in the presence of someone who isn't vaccinated, yeah, absolutely, it can jump from your system onto them. It's really for the good of the unvaccinated unmaskers to protect themselves, really. Yeah. Uh, let me stop you right there because I was cooking some chicken and, uh, <laughs> and it's beeping at me and I'm Absolutely. just going to turn it off. I'll be right back. Hey, where are you in New York? You're New York, right? No, I'm not in New York. I'm in North Carolina. Oh, you are? Where in North Carolina? Charlotte. Oh, well, I love Charlotte. My wife and I are thinking of retiring there. Ah, oh, you should. Actually, if you want to come right here, like uh, right up here, I live uh, right up by Lake Norman. It's a beautiful area. Uh, super. Yeah, I know Charlotte fairly well. I used to have a client out there. Yeah. Awesome. And, Our you're, in, and you're in New York then? I'm not in New York. I'm in Waterloo, Iowa. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Um, I knew you were in the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I want to talk about Iowa a little bit and, and because there's a lot of uh, rural areas and a lot of farmlands. So I did kind of want to hit on that a little bit because you probably... North Carolina see- without a big city and you have more mountains. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. And you're colder, right? Colder. A lot. A yes. lot. A lot. <laughs> Uh, going back to the China thing where you said that everybody, uh, like if, if somebody uh, starts spreading COVID in a business and they shut down their business, right? Yeah. Do you, and I don't know this. This is a question for you. Do you know if then the government goes in and financially stabilizes that business during the shutdown as it hasn't happened here in the U.S.? When a business shuts no- down, they're, up to, they're left to their own devices and and that's the problem. See, that's yes. the chicken and the egg. Because, okay, you want me to shut down, but how well, am I supposed to live? Well, yeah, it, look, live and financially I, I, or live physically, you know, they're both without a doubt. And and I don't have the answer to that whether China does or not. Uh, I really don't know, but it's a good question, and it should be investigated. Um, but that is the problem. You know, look. Uh, I have a lot of friends in business. My son is in the restaurant business. Uh, I was laid off from my business because of COVID. Um, My consulting business has been limping along because of COVID, because of all these restrictions and people not getting together. So I understand, as you do, the effect of of these restrictions. Um, 
and you do have to open up. You can't you can't exist on a non-functioning economy for very long. Now, the inflation that's looming is not because of COVID, but we are in a situation where we're seeing prices going up. Uh, people are not are choosing not to go back to work. Uh, cash is not as fluid. Um, we're seeing businesses close. We're seeing um, schools close because they can't staff them. We're seeing all sorts of repercussions because of this reset. Some of it is Wait, for health reasons, and some of it is literally because people, after a year of doing this, being at home, from what I've read, a lot of people are going, you know what? I'm not going back to that place to work. I can work from home, and I've got demands and needs with my kids and things like that. I'm going to wait and figure this thing out and work on my terms. A lot of people are doing that. Mm. Where that's going to go, I don't know, because eventually you have to make a living. Well, I started this podcast because of COVID, because I was like, hey, I got so much free time. There I you go. kind of wanted to do something like this just off the beaten path, and here, here we are. But I thought it was going to be a two-week thing, <laughs> two-month thing. Now it's a two-year thing. Two-year thing. So my question about inflation, as you were saying, is definitely not from COVID. What What is causing the inflation if it's not COVID then? Well, what, are, what are the specific uh, or the main outliers? That I, I, I don't let me uh, try to pass myself off as an economist. I'm just someone that's, you know, I've been, I've been paying taxes and working for 40 years. So, sure. I, so you know, so you're I, an I've economist. Yeah, so you are an economist. <laughs> well, I'm an economist. Uh, I'm a kitchen table economist, sure. Yeah, um, look, COVID has exacerbated a lot of things, some of which we don't see. You know, there is stimulus spending that's that's going I I into play. We're seeing the um, uh, infrastructure bill and things like that. That does create jobs. It does make money fluid. It's good for the economy. Um, initially, there were programs, you know, uh, an extended uh unemployment benefits, some of which I got for a year anyway, that really helped. Um, so there has been stimulus and there has been government participation limited to help businesses. But now we're at a place where we're kind of looking at the edge of the cliff and we're seeing the price of milk go up. We're seeing the price of watermelons go up. Um, but this has been happening for a long, long time. Essentially, the fundamentally trickle-down economics, supply-side economics doesn't work. It's a it's a short-term fix to bolster um, spending to help corporations hire, et cetera, et cetera. But in the long term, it creates in, income disparity. And when you don't have enough people at the bottom with the means to move up, the engine fails. And it's, I'm using, you know, metaphor of yeah, that's good. And, and, for, and for those audience members that might not understand what trickle down is, is basically is you're giving money to the big corporations so that they right. can keep their people employed and that uh, the money well, theore given theoretically, but what they do trickle is down they, all the they, way. Right. But what happens but is it not doesn't. that. Right. What happens is it they keep their money somewhere. and they give it into golden parachutes and all sorts of dividends to their stockholders. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. But that's also how it is ultimately destroyed. Heard, well, that's what the stimulus was supposed to, to do. The stimulus checks was a trickle-up effect, where that's the idea. you get a $2,000 check, 
which Biden didn't pass, by the way, but that's another story. Um, you get a $2,000 check, and most lower-income people are going to utilize that money and throw it right back into the economy, which means it trickles up, which is a much better way to save an economy during a, you know, a situation like this. Yes. Is what I've heard. Well, it, it, it who knows? It probably wasn't... More- it probably wasn't close to enough, but how much is enough? Um, it helped a lot of people I know for a short fix, and then there was another, and that was a short fix. Most of that money does go back into the economy, but that, you know, the shelf life on that is pretty short. Yeah, you know, nobody ex- well, expected a year, year and a half to two years of, of this limping along. I mean, we are in a very precarious time. Make no mistake about it. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of attrition and there's going to be a lot of new ways of doing things. Cross your fingers for technology um, that may help in lots of ways. Um, because right now, uh, we're running out of gas. You know, we're looking here in Iowa at a long, cold winter, and fuel prices are going up rapidly. You know, my bills are going to probably double. Well, that's the money that I would put back into the economy, spending, buying goods. And I'm one of millions. So how this is going to play out, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But what I do know is that nobody's got the magic bullet, the magic solution. It isn't just about, well, let's just cut more corporate taxes and cut the uh, marginal tax for the wealthy down even farther. They're not reinvesting in the workforce. Is it to give more stimulus or more unemployment? That's a short-term fix too. So how this plays out, I don't know. That's not very optimistic, but I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. Politics is so convoluted. What I do know about politics is that it's all corrupt. I know that. I couldn't hear you. Corrupt. Correct. Uh, you, you know, even if you vote Republican, even if you vote Democrat, there's Here's very the few heroes in Congress. Unless we have campaign finance reform, that isn't even a left-wing concept. We have to have limited funds going into politics. Because what happens is you have to, I ran for office. It costs, I, I didn't run for office. All I did was make phone calls for money. Once you get elected, especially into Washington, all you're doing is trying to get reelected. And what's that about? Making money, because you have to. How do you make money? Well, if you're running for the big game, you have to make promises to people. Say, I'll give you our PAC money, but we're going to suggest that you vote this way. So immediately you have a broken mechanism. You're not having representation of the people. You're having representation of financial interests, of special interest groups. It, it's you just said uh, uh, what what did you say limited finance reform limited oh, li- campaign finance it? reform you know explain that be, explain what that is well you know it's like you can give a dollar on your tax returns every candidate should have this amount of money and I and I don't have details of what it should be but it should it shouldn't be candidate with 
What'd they raise for president? $3 billion? Okay, so if you're going to use the analogy or the metaphor of sports, like you have a cap. You can, you know, cap. each team yes. has a cap in spending and you cannot There's your, exceed that cap. Right. There's your okay. cap. There it is. And it, it's to get special interest groups out, unlimited dark money, because right. that does influence votes and that votes are created by by messaging and then by, well, I've said it, gathering the money you're beholden to those who gave it to you. So suddenly you're not representing the people who elected you. You're representing the people who gave you the money. Would you be surprised if I said that is probably never going to happen? <laughs> well, I no, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised because I've been one and many before me have been pushing for campaign finance reform for decades. Decades and it doesn't happen. Why? Because the money isn't going to let it happen. Because the spoils are too much right. for these people to it's, give up their, why, their right. The, the people who need to vote for campaign finance reform aren't going to vote for finance reform because the money coming in is from people who don't want campaign finance reform. So it's a catch-22, no Do doubt about it. Do you think it even matters about, like, let me just say this. Do you think people's vote out there actually really matters? Now, there was... Um, and here's where it did really matter in one particular scenario in Jersey, there was a guy who just got elected as a high standing official and he dethroned some guy that was there for like 19 years or something or other. And he only spent $5,000 on his entire campaign and he dethroned this guy who had spent like $2 million on his campaign. Yeah. You, you, did you hear that story? I, I, well, I've heard of stories like it. That, that happened. Uh, that, that's happened in various places. It happened in Minnesota uh, okay. about ten right. years ago. It, it happens, but that's a un, it, that, I consider those anomalies for the most part. It's a unique situation where, in those cases, I believe you have a very charismatic candidate with a very compelling message, and that can spread without money. I mean, your your best advertising is people going, "Hey, I like." Todd, I like Jim. I like, you know, that's your best advertising. Yeah. Um, and I think in those cases, the word of mouth of the uh, authenticity of these candidates worked. Would that work on a national level? No, there's simply no way. Absolutely not. I mean, you got Biden up there who, and you're a liberal and I, yeah. and I was, I, I am a liberal too in what I feel like but the but the the goalposts have been changed as far as what a liberal is now. Well, a conservative now, as well. Uh, I, mean, right. I, I would I would go so far as to say maybe a little bit more. I mean, the the ideological shifts have been almost polarizing yeah, in terms like, yeah. of where these parties have gone over the last hundred and fifty years. Right, right. So li liberal has gone so far to the left that it has taken. It, it's like the conservatives have now just this little bitty, you know, if it was like 50-50. Well, I have uh, to tell you, that's that's a perspective because I would argue the exact opposite, that we've gone so far to the right that liberalism looks far left. The the, the Tea Party and the, the, the factions that elected Trump, which are a large percentage of America, that is pretty off the rails conservative. I wouldn't even call it conservative. I consider Reagan conservative. I consider Bush conservative. Um, but what is now being identified as conservative, meaning 
Trumpism. It's just a um, Trump supporter. That's what I'm saying. It's just a small sliver. Like, well, that's I'm not a small sliver. It's I, like 40 million because, votes. Right. Well, let me just say, well, okay. And, and I don't, and I don't want this to be a debate or an argument yeah. or anything. I want it to be a come together. Let's, you know, yeah, because all, we're yeah. obviously going to agree yeah. or disagree in certain aspects, but for the most part, it seems like we agree on a lot. Um, but what has happened is because I choose to, so I'm a wait and seer as far right. as the vaccine goes. And the only reason I'm a wait and seer is because I, I as I spoke about earlier, we have not seen a unified message on these vaccines or these masks or these mandates. Well, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 you go, you but go. No, it's good. We haven't seen a unified message only because they're, they're, we're still trying to figure out what the message is. I believe, and I'm a bit older than you, and I'm not, I'm not playing the old card, except that I've seen a little bit more over the decades. I would say that the, the differentiator is the anti-vax um, fanaticism that has turned this into a political issue that is challenging everything that the health community is trying to put out there. Now, the health community isn't 100% in step with this, but well into the 90 percentile, the health community, doctors and nurses, scientists, immunologists are in agreement on fundamental factors. But it is still a very new thing for the most part. But what's making it look so controversial is this fanaticism toward not getting vaccinated. Yeah. I, do you have a polio vaccine? Did you get the polio shot? I'm sure I did when I was a child in order to well, get into we school. We all did. We all did yeah. because polio, we wanted to eradicate. They came up with a vaccine, you know, Jonas Salk, and we all got it for years and years and years, and nobody complained until it became a politically polarizing thing. In the last 12 years, maybe longer, maybe going back to Clinton's era, uh, certainly the creation of all this news media has polarized human beings into good and bad, black and white, right and wrong, and no gray area. Yeah, and so if obviously gray areas if it, everywhere. Well, gray area is where we live. You know, I mean, either it's it's there are very few things that are absolutes. And so the, the nuances and context and things like that have to be examined very carefully because it isn't a case of, well, you're a Republican, so you're wrong. You're a Democrat. I hate Democrats. They're, no, that doesn't allow for truth. Yeah, that, that the independent has been completely eliminated. Remember when yes. Ross Perot used to run and there was an independent crowd that was not sure about the right, not sure about the left, and they were just like undecided and that's been completely demoralized. And I don't and, and and I will argue with you that it has not been done by the right, but it has been done by the left. Meaning I am a liberal in my mind, meaning like I believe that government should be helping, you know, the the you know, the uh, poorer communities. I believe in distribution of wealth, which is a liberal idea. Um, I believe in those type things. I don't believe like, you know, uh, hack yourself up by the bootstraps and uh, everybody to their own devices. I believe the government should be there to help out those that are not uh, in a position to help themselves. I believe in that. Social programs, things like that. I believe in that. 
But because I'm not vaccinated now, I'm a Trump supporter. You see, like it, well, there's no I, there, it's there's no middle ground. I'm I, I am that hear you 100 percent. And in our in the algorithms that control our social media, where you get certain things and I get certain things, that is absolutely true. I know that there are lots of people who give no quarter, just as you're saying, it's like, okay, you're an anti-vaxxer. You must be a crazy Trump. I hear them. They're they're on my feed. They're on my feed. I don't think they represent most liberals any more than the far right QAnon represents conservatives. That's a sliver, but that's what we see with that algorithm over there is y'all look pretty crazy to us. And apparently we look pretty crazy to you, but to your point about independence, do you know why they can't run or why they don't win for the most part? No money. It's about money. It's about the corporatization of politics and having this engine that raises money and feeds it to its candidates of choice. Yeah. And there is no independent party, really, in terms of a, a, a with an infrastructure. Well, Andrew Yang is starting. He wants to start an independent party, right? It's been, but then just like uh, other things that we've talked about, campaign finance, we've been talking about it for decades. But look, you go back once upon a time, we had Democrat Republicans, Democrats Republicans, Federalists, Tories, Whigs. You know, we weren't it's, it's founded always as a one team. side against another, right? It's always good right. versus evil. It's always right. black versus right. white. But, it's but always at least there were gradations blue. of each. There used to be gradations of each, where each, you know, the 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 free soil party that became the Republicans. Um, there were gradations. We weren't set up as a two-party system, but we well, became let, that to concentrate wealth and influence. But let me well, let me say this. Would you agree with this? That the liberal wokeism and the Republican QAnon is what has polarized the I think that and, they are, and have I, taken away the I, the, I, the middle ground. I think they're byproducts of of the of the conflicts. They're they're byproducts because they're certainly conspiracy theorists which really spin untruth. And to address wokeism. I, I'm very, very critical of of of, uh, of people. You, you're not even supposed to use the word cancel culture anymore, but we understand <laughs> as wokeism or cancel culture. Here's the difference, because I'm very critical of that. As a sometimes comedian, uh, I find all these areas where, wait a second, you're not putting this into context. You're not allowing for free speech and free thought and things like that. So I am critical of it. But at least I know this. They're not doing it to be jerks. They're doing it to be hyper-conscious of all people. Is it working? I would say no. But their intention is on the good side of the coin. Whereas QAnon, I don't know where the good intention is there. Well, let's go. So, well, let's go here. This is a good segue into the immigration talk because um, I don't know if you know this. But apparently, a lot of these immigrants are coming through, and they're being separated from their families. Children are being separated from their families, and yeah, sorry. And yeah. then some children are just coming through without family members. They're just coming through. They're just lost. They just came through in the pack of immigration, and they're being snatched up. Then my question to to you is: Why do you think that? Uh, 
that they, and I don't know if you heard this, it was, it was on Fox News and it was on other alternative media outlets. And, and, and I don't always just listen to Fox News. I listen to all of it to try to understand the points of views. But it has been confirmed that there were flights and to, to this day continue to be flights flying children, only children, to separate areas of, uh, to quote unquote, reunite them with families or adopted families, things like that. But they're being done in secret in the middle of the night without any, like they're trying to sneak them off. Why well, would that I, I, be? I can't comment on that because I haven't heard that. I, I, as a general rule, discount 90% of what I hear on Fox and alternative right news. And I haven't heard that. I mean, I know that there's, of course, a movement to reunite families, the families that were separated, mind you, pre Biden. um, There is a movement, the talk has been about lawyers asking for compensation and things like that. And that's $450,000. That's never been the plan. Biden never made that plan. It's ludicrous. Lawyers, as they do representing families said, yeah, we're going to ask for $450,000. Now, your Fox, I don't mean to say your Fox News, but Fox News goes, Biden wants $450,000. And then it becomes a firestorm where it's repeated so much it becomes truth, not an ounce of truth to it, okay. except that the number was thrown out. But but to your point, I can't talk about that because I, I haven't heard that. I, I wouldn't like to think of secretive. I think there should be more transparency in everything. Now, that's not going to happen in foreign policy all the time, but I certainly think that government was supposed to be predicated on transparency so that the public could see honestly, truthfully, what's going on and make decisions to influence our legislators. Right. And then to tie in the point that maybe QAnon, so you were saying wokeism is, it comes from a good place in people's hearts, like inclusivity, well, things like that. Whether it's from their the, hearts or whatever, it, it is the, the movement Q, of the conscious. Q, right, the QAnon is also a movement of uh, almost like a civil fight for pedophiles. That's where it kind of started. And it's- oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's, that's it's, that's it's, pretty dark a, place. A very dark place, but it's also, and and it's curious why they are flying children that are immigrants in the middle of the night without. Uh, and I know that that's an unconfirmed thing, so we can like. Well, I would have that. to. I would have to seek confirmation of that. Now, there's lots of things that happen that we never get confirmation of. There, what, there are truths. There are true stories. Well, saying, there are stories get, that we never hear about. Right. Well, the overall message is that, yes, wokeism is coming from a a place of inclusivity. Perhaps that's why it started. QAnon was starting from a place of inclusivity or a a place of fighting for children's rights so that this doesn't happen anymore. It started from a good intent. That started from a good intent, the wokeism. But, But it got hijacked. Both well, of those obviously, good, it got hijacked. Both uh, of know, those good. Uh, the genesis intentions. of QAnon, right? You know, I, I, I you know, I, I, it's 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 hard to know. Human beings, we're vulnerable. It's we we 
we have a tendency to believe what we hear because then it's echoed in our brain and then our brain tells us what we heard and then suddenly it sort of becomes truth. When you have hundreds of people, people, citizens, they have jobs, they walk, they brush their teeth, they feed themselves, descend on Dealey Plaza for the return of JFK Jr. because they read on the QAnon site that, hey, he's been alive all this time, he's going to come back. They're not stupid people. They're not bad people, but their vulnerability was manipulated by this virus called QAnon. Well, the same, but the same on the other side too. And I agree with you, but the same on the other side too, that black lives matter started as this whole thing. And now it's turned into this whole other thing where it's like, you know, critical race theory is like now, now to be a white privileged person is like, you're automatically racist. Well, but that, that's never been what it is. That's never been what it is. It, it, it Black never Lives was, Matter movement ha, it has it, been hijacked by well, political, it, it, political it, parties. It, it has been. Everything, been everything starts for a Anything reason. that gets everything politicized involved. is hijacked. You can agree to that. I, I can't argue that. Everything evolves, and then it takes on different. On both the left and the right, on yes. both sides. And then it takes on different hues and different meanings, and people take what started for one reason and apply it to another reason. Right. Um, but you know, I don't think in that particular case it was ever intended to be. You know, um, pr- white people are all privileged and therefore are bad. I don't think that was ever the message. It was, hey, we're tired of being profiled. We have been for hundreds of years, even after the the Civil War. We're tired of our people being shot in the street simply because they're black for a crime that you and I would have probably gone into jail and called our mother and gotten picked up. But they're dead in the street. And it was an epidemic and still has been for a long time. And they said, Enough. And the George Floyd was so obvious to people who saw it that it ignited a movement. Well, that yeah. movement itself was people going enough. Now, how do you wait, say? Wait enough? a minute. Wait a minute now. George Floyd was not what initiated the Black Lives Matter movement. It was Ka- Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the flag. You well, remember? Uh, well, That's what started the BLM movement. And then he kneeled because there were other instances before George Floyd. Well, there, where right. where he got where black people were getting, uh, well, okay, you know, you're probably right. You're probably right. BLM started then, as it should have. It could have started ten years ago. Could have started in 1964. Yeah, but yeah, regardless, it, right? The George Floyd is what exactly. The George Floyd though was the flashpoint. That's when it got politicized. That's well, when it that got was hijacked. Flash, I don't think so, because that was the flashpoint that said, how do we stop this? Because we created Black Lives Matter, we protest, we tried to make it a national consciousness, we got all this backlash, and then this obvious thing happens that we're seeing on our televisions, and it was a flashpoint that suddenly it became uh, riotous. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was an explosion. Mm. But, you know, I've seen people turn over, burn police cars because the Detroit Tigers won the World Series. I mean, 
you know, I was around for Watts. I was around for all of these things where there are certain societal things, the assassination of Martin Luther King, of, of RFK, of John F. Kennedy. And people, uh, it's very hard to tell a group of people with a passionate cause, especially when there is a counter movement that faces them. Both sides are now tipping the scales toward violence. Yeah, I, I, look, I agree, and we could, we know, I think a lot of this, I've, I've been reading the Bible a lot, and I think a lot of these things are thousands of years old as far as the conflicts. They're the, we've learned nothing as a civilization. And so are the solutions, but we're not paying attention to them. <laughs> we're not paying How about attention. the good old turn the other cheek, <laughs> you know? So true. I mean, you know I, what an eye for an eye really means? It's not retribution. An eye means if you're going to take my eye, well, you need one so bad. Here's the other one. It's actually a a, a, a metaphor for extended compassion. Amen. That's what it's all about. Amen. Yeah. And I agree with you. And, it, you know, and a lot of this also, a, a lot of this has been, this, this one's going to be tough. You might not like this one. This, <laughs> this, uh, a lot of this has come from the left as far as wokeism because people's identities, are, they're so confused about who they are. Like the left can, can decide that they want to be a man on this day, a woman on this day, both on the next day. They can give themselves letters to identify they're they're very confused and if you read the bible that is straight deception from satan as far as well be who you want to be do what you want to do don't well, follow anything I, I, from god i don't it, want to get biblical but it right but the, this does the, play it, into this this is complex it is it isn't just left people saying that i want to be a boy or a girl or, or gender neutral or fluid sure. it's 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 a movement that's embraced more for sure on the left, without a doubt. It it fits into the ideology of the left to allow people to be who they are, discover who they are. Yes, I agree that there is a degree of confusion, especially in your years of maturing, becoming a person. Who am I? And I think that to some degree we've displayed, we've now given. We've now given a mechanism to try to understand why we're confused when we're young. Does that make any sense? It does. Uh, I, I know a lot of this firsthand from people that I know, and it, it's frustrating and it's confusing and at times maddening. But the position that I take now is, is it hurting me? Am I helping them the best way I can? Do I help them by saying, no, you're not the way you think you are. You are going to be this way. I don't think that's helping anything. So what I'm learning is patience. Patience and to fulfill what I can fulfill. What I can be to a person who may be undecided or an anomaly to their peers is I can say, hey, I can take you to a ball game. I can take you out for a milkshake. I can read Shakespeare with you. I can uh, play games with you. We can throw a ball around. I can, you know, show you how to do your finances. You know, I can help you in a lot of different ways. 
I, and, I think, and, yeah. So. That's all I'm trying. You know, that's that's my answer. Well, it, well, you could you can help them in a lot of different ways. And I think we could all help each other in a lot of different ways. And I think that's a good way to close out this particular one because you know we could go on for round after of round for two thousand years and probably not come to the end it's, of it. It's going to Alexander be Alexander the Great, probably gay. <laughs> he was. I, the way I saw the movie, Colin. Yeah, he was definitely, you know, but maybe he was confused. I don't know. But that's a yeah, subject for another. Maybe uh, he would have called himself. Well, I, I don't want to be. Who knows? Uh, Alex, yeah. Alexander, the LBGTQ plus. Alexander, the, the, uh, the non-binary. <laughs> I, you know, and that in, 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 uh, and do you know much about uh, history? I don't know too, too much about history. history I, I certainly know the history that I've lived, but yeah, I... I yeah, but the fall of man, the fall of civilization comes out of everybody being confused and not necessarily following one, you know, like the Roman Empire, Babylon, the, uh, the Greeks. They all fell whenever society became too confused. The, you know, in a similar way, as far as their morals, as far as their, and look, I'm not saying that you can't have morals, but like, you know, uh, I'm not saying that the LGBTQ community doesn't have morals. That's not well, what I'm saying. Well, they're but the most moral people I know. Are they the most moral people you know? They're the most generous, kindest, friendliest, show up at fundraisers. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, by I, by, I a, by, a, by a, a high percentage. Uh, okay, but, so but morals, I don't put it into so a moral morals, place. But it, what about sexual morality? Let's let's go there because that's the well, difficult one. Um, I don't make that judgment. I don't make that judgment. If you know, I I I, I don't judge others. I mean, certainly, um, uh, pedophilia is is uh, right heinous and in, inconceivable. Um, but when it comes to adults, uh, it, it's it's not my place to judge. Well, I, and it's not my place to judge. I didn't even want to go there. I wanted to. I wanted to end that segment before we even jumped into that. <laughs> so let's get out of there. Yeah, get out so of. Let's there. get out of there. You know what? I did want to talk to you about because you said you're an SNL writer, right? Well, I was. I was a performer on the show. Yeah, in the uh, '80s. Okay. All right. Uh, I was very young, but then I was born in 1978. I don't, I don't think so. 78. Yeah. You even look younger than that. Oh, thank so you. So you're like 42? Three. Three? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you are, yeah, you were too young for my year. Yeah. Sure. So I didn't know that. But I did have a couple of questions for you as far as working there. And so you were an actor there as well. So yeah. You were uh, part of the cast. So who? Yeah. who Eddie Murphy years. Eddie Murphy years? Yes. And, and Billy Crystal, Marty Short. No way. That's they were awesome. my pals. How was it? Like, how was that part of your life? Talk about that for Well, I still dream about it. I still dream about it. I wish that I could go back there now knowing what I know because I was in my early 20s and was just a uh, uh, in school and lost. Um, it was very, very exciting, but at the same time, every week was also very, very frustrating. If you're not the star of the show and you have very little to do, it, it, it could be very, very frustrating. Um, but for the most part, I was getting paid to live in New York City, and I was on television once in a while. Uh, it, it was three years of my life that were pretty darn exciting. 
you know, okay, <laughs> it's, I... it's hard to put it in any other context. It was pretty exciting. Was I able to do what I wanted? No, uh, I didn't achieve what I would have hoped to with the show, but you know, uh, I did it. It's it, on my resume. It's uh, my kids can YouTube me and uh, it's good enough. I'm going to YouTube you. At, yeah, yeah. I, what, good what, Google. what would you think? What was what would be the most uh, famous sketch on YouTube? You think that that people could? Well, if you go to the Saturday Night Live site, because YouTube, you know, Saturday Night Live doesn't allow it stuff. To, anything that goes up on YouTube gets pulled down rather quickly. Um, the most popular thing I did was a dentist video called Ira Needleman. If you go to the SNL site and you look up Ira Needleman, Gary Kroger you'll see a pretty spectacular little thing that I shot one afternoon for back then it was only like $20,000, but you'll see it and you'll see the production value was pretty amazing. I have to check it out. Do you, is there, do you have like a, is there a premise you can quickly say what it was about? It's when video dating first became a thing. And back in those days, you went to a video dating company and they would put in video tapes of different people. There was no, internet you know right. we weren't online so you'd go to a video dating company and you'd look at people and you'd go oh, i like this one and they would arrange a meeting so i was a nerdy dentist who couldn't get a date and so i put together a video for one of these dating services but i produced it as sort of a super star rock star with okay. dancing dental hygienists and a lot of double entendre oh nice that that's that's funny. I want to look at that. That you know, and you know, it's interesting uh, how much the world has changed. I don't know if you've seen this before, but like uh, they, uh, there was a video that I saw recently that uh, was, uh, they presented a telephone, an old school telephone. I have with, seen this with the tick tick tick, you know, yeah. with, the, with the rounder, and the kids were trying to figure out how to use what it. it was. And they yeah. had no idea. No idea. I did see that. I did see that. that well, you know, you, you're pretty, you're almost young enough to not remember that. You've never known a world without ATM machines. For the most part, 78, 88, 98, you're a young man. The internet's blowing up, but you're still like 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. I remember none of that stuff. There were no answering machines when I was a kid. Yeah. Do you think that the state of the world was better then or that it is better now? Everybody, and you'll say the same thing when you're 64 like me. We always look back to our youth and think it was better. But, you know, I look back and go, oh, the 60s, they were so great. I had the Beatles. I played with my friends. We didn't lock the doors. We had Vietnam. Martin Luther King was assassinated. RFK was assassinated. The Watts riots. I mean, there were all sorts of horrible things going on. You know, maybe. It's not any worse now. Maybe. I don't know. Now, I've been through both, and I still tend to yearn for the past, but that's because I think when we're young, we're innocent, and we're not really in charge of anything, so we just kind of go along for the ride. Now I feel responsible. I have children. Um, I am gravely concerned about where the world is heading, where America is heading, exactly what we've been talking about, the polarization. There has been a seismic change since the late 80s and news that is no longer journalism, but but editorialism and the computer and, and social media 
has it really been an aggregate to bring us to the truth or has it been specific websites to take us further from the truth? It seems more like the latter. And that has me very concerned. That is very interesting because back in the eight, back when, when, you know, you were hearing about people being assassinated and JFK and uh, Martin Luther King and all that stuff, you only got to see what the government allowed you to see. And now you can see from well, a different perspective because there's so many different media outlets. So it's, well, you can it's, see, but it's it interesting was, you say, you, it's interesting you say which truth is the truth. Right. Yeah. Like, you, well, you know, when the Internet came along, uh, a futurist said this will be good for discovering truth because the aggregate of information will create a greater, uh, almost a, a, an organic truth. That hasn't happened. But going back to the 60s, the government wasn't telling us these things. We had basically three news agencies besides the AP and, and Reuters. You know, there were. ABC, NBC, and CBS. That was authentic journalism. They weren't pandering to corporations. They weren't owned by Westinghouse. They weren't owned by Disney. They weren't shopping for ratings. Now it's all about ratings. It's all about money. It's all about consumerism. It wasn't then. You put on the broadcast based on the fundamental principles of journalism that you learned not to editorialize. So we got our news from very credible sources. When do you think those organizations got hijacked? Well, Fox News is where it started. Rupert Murdoch created. But you don't. The you don't think CBS, ABC, all well, the major chains are not they, hijacked or funded? Well, by le less less so than Fox News because Fox News was literally created, and they even admit to it to give news to people who felt like they're being disenfranchised. Sure. Give them the news that they want to hear. Okay. All of the news agencies now are owned by corporate machines that don't that do monitor what you say. But there are still some principles of journalism. I, I still watch CBS and um, Pelly. I think is is credible. Um, Wait, hold on. Principle C CBS. Principles. Pelly. P e l l e y. Uh, I don't know who the anchor is right now. I think he. Uh, um, well, I, the, what I, I was going to ask you: Who do you follow now as your media? Uh, well, I, I don't use. You said you don't use one source, and I don't either. Um, I, I do use an aggregate of of sources that. Um, I, I don't watch Fox News. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't read the Washington Times. I don't read the Daily Caller because when I have tried them, it has been maddeningly aggravating. Um, Do you think because it's like you have a narrative in your mind of how something is supposed to be and like if somebody says something that opposes what your truth is, well, it, I certainly it, think that can knock you off your horse a little too much to be like, well, I don't, well, I don't want to deal with all that. I, like, think that I already be, have my truth. Well, it's certainly not the way I look at it because I'm not looking for anything in particular that that fits a narrative. But I'll give you an example using Fox News because it's the prime example of when news changed and it's so successful that everybody started to emulate Fox News paradigm. 
um, years ago, Obama speaks at Notre Dame. And I was checking out Fox News then, and the ticker said, Obama snubs image of Christ. And then the talking heads, Hannity and everybody said, well, you know, he's not really a Christian, he's a Muslim. And he won't even let there be an image of Christ at Notre Dame behind him. And that, they ran with it. No, MSNBC wasn't countering it, CBS, NBC, nobody was. Finally, I think it was MSNBC said, you know, every president takes down every icon except the American flag and the symbol of the presidency. Every president. Reagan spoke there too and did the exact same thing. So that is an example of absolute biased narration from Fox News to create a story that wasn't the truth. Now, that's a very alarming example of how that happens, but I've seen that echoed time and time again. Are they the only ones to do it? No. Does MSNBC follow a, a left-wing narrative for the most part? Absolutely they do. Their commentators do. So it takes a great deal of research to try and find the truth. Even credible sources put up a headline to get you to read it, and then you read the story and it had nothing to do with that headline. It's all designed to trigger our anger, to trigger our interest. It, it's all designed to, to put us exactly where we are, polarized on opposite polarized. sides. Yeah. Opposite sides. There's no gray area anymore. It's and what black I or white or red or blue. Right. That's how you want to look at it. I, I am political. I am involved. I write. I, I'm a columnist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I also put my blinders on through my day sometimes because I get so overwhelmed by what's going on. They go, you know what? I'm a dad. I'm a husband. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to make dinner. My wife and I are going on a cruise. I'm going to help my kid with his homework. That's what I can control. I can go see my friends tonight, go to a dinner party. That's what I can control. Yeah. Sometimes that's my moral best is just to make my little universe as good as I can make it. Let Talk me to someone you. like you. This is rewarding Thank to you. me. Okay. Well, you're awesome. And to be honest with you, even though we don't see eye to eye on everything, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I, and I, it's, it's nice to have, a conversation with somebody that is willing to respectful respect the other person's point of view so because that's the only way you move forward you know right. and, and imagine if everybody agreed with you that'd be horrible yeah. for me if everybody agreed with me it's like well, wait what then what am i for what's <laughs> the point of me if everyone agrees with me there well let me ask you this this is a tough one too which side of the coin now we're both polarized right right and left and i and i'm in the middle but apparently i've been put on this team because okay. i'm an anti-vaxxer or i'm a wait and see vaxxer i'm a wait and see vaxxer i'm hesitant but are you being careful while you wait and see are you being no i'm not i'm not because a lot of me thinks that that but that's another that's another conversation okay. for another time the question because we could go so deep on so many things. But the question is, on, on religion, do you feel like the left is religious 
more than the right is? Maybe that's not the right question. No, which I know where you're going. The, which of those two organizations is following God? Or, and maybe I asked that the wrong way, but if you know where I'm going, please ask the question and answer the question. Well, well, I mean, but you're, you're being Christian specific. Um, yes, I think the left is more open and tolerant of all religions and even non-religions. I think the left is more uh, based in philosophy, if you will. I mean, certainly uh, welcoming of Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, whatever. I mean, I, sure. I, I, I don't think that we can say that this is just about do you follow Christianity or not? And I think that on the right, certainly are more fundamentalist Christians who are quoting Leviticus and trying to apply it to, you know, daily living. Um, I certainly know many Christians who are faithful Christians on the left. I think that within the idea ideology of Christians on the left is, in general, a more a broader perspective of what religion is. And again, I would say welcoming of other religions. Um, the fundamentalists that I know, and they are, you know, they, they, they don't agree with me on LBGTQ. They don't agree with me on lots of things, tend to be Republicans. But are they more God-fearing? Are they more moral? No. I don't think that's a judgment we can make. Um, I, I don't think, so in other words, are they more moral and fundamentally doing what God says on the right than on the left? I don't think so, but I do think we need to define what we mean by God. Um, because if we're specifically talking about the God from the Bible, well, there are several billion people in this world who don't agree. And I have trouble believing that they're not allowed to disagree. <laughs> that makes sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. I disagree, but it does okay. make sense. But but I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody or anything like that. Like I'm very new to Christianity, uh, honestly. Well, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell, well, the mythologist, uh, said he's passed away uh, that all of the great religions of the world are essentially telling the same moral story. They're all trying to impart morality in a similar way. And they all happened. They all began their, their beginnings, their genesis, in a certain sector of the world, there in the Middle East. They all started at roughly the same time. So he says, well, something happened there. Something ha happened there. And perhaps these are different ways of telling the same story. Yeah, it's from a, mytho a mythologist's point of view, and I found that very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. And the more and more I read the Bible, the more and more I like can put like a lot of the politics that goes on happened already in the Bible. And there's they, so like if you're like, let's just say you're looking for a book of definitions, where do you go? Webster's Dictionary, right? So, like, you're looking for definitions of, like, what do these words mean? What, is, what does that mean? Go to Webster's Dictionary. Well, like, in the same way as a thesaurus, like, what does that phrase mean, right? It, the same thing with, you know, 
overall, what does it mean to live on this earth? Where do I go for that book? And for me, and I'm, you know, it's been no, the Bible. Saying. And, uh, and I, you know, I have a tough time getting away from that one. Although, you know, like, but it's, it's so weird, you know, like I thought when I, when I came to Christianity that, that I would be like, I don't know, like that, I, that people would like be happy that I did or, or, I, but the opposite. But don't you experience that? But no, at your church? Well, yeah, at my church. Yeah, of course. At the church, I do. But like to like, let's just say I I said, hey, I'm a newborn Christian. I'm happy with like the religion that I found. Blah blah. Let me tell you about the, you know, uh, you know all these things, and people don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear it, and it's just it's curious to me. Go. Uh, do you think it's any easier for a Muslim? Certainly not in America. Do you think it's easier for a, a Jew? Good point. Um, good points. You know, I mean, I, you know, the Quran and the, the Torah, and I haven't read the Quran or the Torah. You know, I can't pretend that I have, but they are the moral primers for, for their religions. Um, and I have read the Bible. And in fact, I have an NIV Bible, which I love because everything that is a quote from Jesus is underscored in yellow, right? Uh, the NIV Bible. And I love to read it because those words are so inspiring and they're they're very healing they are all moral fables stories and lessons it's a primer on how to behave now and and again we we don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole either but i have to say that some of the worst christians i've ever met are christians that they're the least um understanding of the words of jesus of uh, people who aren't religious at all who are more welcoming and help their neighbor and turn the other cheek aren't, aren't about accumulation and wealth and taking and greed um a lot of those people go to church well let me say this the christian religion has also been hijacked by those like joel osteen or, well everything or gets... those ones that make the christian religion look bad like those aren't true christians but that guy sure i know some of well, them i think they are and they're good citizens and uh good you know yeah and i'm not saying look look i got saved in christianity and i'm not saying that there's not any other paths i just know that what I, what i've been taught there's only one path but i'm not trying to tell anybody else no, that's like, okay. maybe that's but, the path for me particularly but you you've you've read matthew you know and and i'm not i'm incapable of quoting the bible word for word but i have matthew, it right here i can read it matthew talks about um uh, not letting your religion become your vanity about not boasting of your religion. It is a personal experience. 11, 14, maybe um, that, you know, that's the problem with evangelicals is it becomes a very exterior pageant oriented expression of religion, but religion from Matthew is, is smaller in terms of, how you embody it as opposed to display it, how you live it as opposed to preach it. I guess yeah. that's the that's the synopsis that I see. It's how you live it, not how you preach it. 
it's not about preaching. It's about embodying. Yeah, I I agree with that. And that is exactly what it's supposed to be. Like, because you're not the all-knowing. Only God is the all-knowing. You're not. Um, you said 11, 14? I, I could be completely wrong. It, Matthew 11. Well, well, let me read Matthew 11, 11. Because this might be good. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Is that what you're referring no, to? No, after that. Matthew eleven fourteen. That wasn't 14. Ele- ele- 14 is, and you are willing to accept it. He is the Elijah who has come. He who has ears, let him hear. So I think it's somewhere in here. Yeah. And, and, it's and somewhere I, in it here. Could be I, don't wanna, I don't want to read it all because yeah. people, people are going to start, you know, turning off the podcast. <laughs> It's a, it, what was amazing to me is like, I thought, oh, I found this like uh, something that I believe in, which is the Holy Bible and Christianity. And I thought others would be happy, but not, not necessarily, not like I expected a parade or anything, but I wanted, I wanted to be able to share that with people. And once I shared that with people, I realized like people don't want or are well, hesitant in hearing any of that. We, we, we're, we're, we, we've become a, a highly sensitive society. And that uh, in that there is a fear now that I think is pervasive among people about anything being um, pushed on dictated you. to them. Yeah, politics, religion, yeah. finances, there's this education, you know, I think there's a, a, a suspicious quality that we've created. And now the that, new one, which is the most prominent one, vaccines. Yeah. So, right. The vaccines so, is the new one, right? It's the new, well, like, don't talk about, don't talk about religion, don't talk about government, and definitely do not talk about vaccines. <laughs> well, if I, I, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Vaccines fall into I'm suspicious. It didn't used to be this way. A no. vaccine isn't isn't a tool to control you. It's not about mind control. It's not about seeing what we can get away with. It's the idea is to eradicate uh, a virus that's killing people. That's the idea. It's that a health idea. movement. That's yeah. what it is. Um, and such things weren't looked at so suspiciously in my lifetime. Yeah. I got smallpox, polio, you know, uh, whatever my whole life. Now, um, has the science changed? Yes. But the fundamental principle of a vaccine, which is to put the an inert virus into your body so that your cells can recognize it and learn to destroy it so that when the real thing comes in, that's a pretty brilliant discovery. Yeah. Well, now, well there, there's arguments oh, I was just going to say, you, you can get sick for a couple of days. Some people have allergies to the, uh, you know, the things that are, I, I can't even speak of the uh, components the compounds, but well, the main, well, the main thing that people are saying is, well, that I've heard is that the vaccine can cause heart inflammation, by two ways. One way that the vaccine can cause heart inflammation if it's injected into you incorrectly. 
meaning the vaccine is fine for you to take, but it accidentally gets uh, uh, stuck into like a blood vessel or a vein, and it's not supposed to be stuck into a blood vessel or a vein because it could go directly to your heart. It has to be stuck directly into a muscle. And the way to prevent such things happening is to aspirate the needle. The aspirate meaning like you pull back on the needle, see if there's any blood in there. And then if you see blood, you immediately take it out and you use a new one and aspirate and make well, sure I'm that there's sure, no blood coming through there. I'm sure there's a lot that can be learned and that we're learning. But I, but statistically, it's still basically a 98% success rate. From I went, I got my vaccine shot at, at Walgreens, um, and all of that didn't go into it. Now, as for the enlarging heart, do you know what enlarges the heart 10 times more likely than the vaccine? COVID-19. So, I mean, th- th- reducing the risk of your heart expanding is worse by not being vaccinated because that's what COVID does. Is that what it does? Okay. Well, I did, I did not know well, that. There's lots of things, though, that we can go back and forth and not know and or not sure. have heard. The, sure. the point is, I hope that anybody listening takes away from this is the point is we've got to open up our minds. We've got to consider the plausibility of those that we disagree with. Of course we have our ideas. Most of what we think is already programmed into us because of who we're with, how we grew up, what we've been taught, fundamentally what we've attached ourselves to. You attach yourself to a party, probably because your parents did, and then you indoctrinate yourself. We all do that, right, left, and in the middle, upside down, and so on and so forth. So the key is to allow yourself to go, okay, this is what I believe. I sure think that person is wrong. What if they're right? Let me investigate their truth and hope that they investigate mine. Now we just might find a place of understanding. Hmm. What I is what is the can name of your you all I want, but I need to listen to you and go, hey, you brought up a couple of things. I need to look into that. I'm going to assume that you're right rather than you're wrong. Well, that's what that's what I believe that conversations like this need to be had from one side versus another side. And it's not versus. I didn't mean to say versus. It's not oh, versus. Okay. It's with. It's right. with. I'm having a conversation with you, not versus you. You know, and uh, I have, right, you brought up a lot of good points that I didn't even look at. And hopefully, maybe I brought some thoughts that you you investigate as well on your end. And then we can reconvene. Now, the problem is, do we reconvene? And I would like to reconvene at some point. What is the name of your podcast, please? The Gary and Kenny Show. And I really want you to push it too. We, uh, Kenny, uh, he lives in LA and I'm in, in, in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, and we were both in show business for 20, 30 years. And so we have lots of friends, many levels of success. And we bring them on and we talk about the business, how they became successful, um, you know, where their careers are going. But really, the idea is to hear from people who have been successful how did you create your success? So somebody listening can go, well, hey, I want to be a writer. I want to be a director. I want to be an actor. I want to be a business person. How that's these people are all saying really interesting things about how to develop a successful life. 
but we also try to be funny. Right. Did anybody ever say they sold their soul to the devil? <laughs> they ever say what? Like, that they that they sold their soul to the devil, and that was the reason. We haven't had any uh, devil uh, uh, worshippers. Yeah, not, not a Bob no Dylan. Faustian deals or anything no, like that. No not Bob yet. Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad joke, but I, I'm good at bad jokes. <laughs> I was fairly good. You like it? Uh, so the Gary and Kenny show. Um, I would like to come on your show if you want. Like, but. Maybe maybe it's not the right opportunity. Well, we have, we, uh, at, up to this point, we've been all uh, show business, like producers of Saving Private Ryan and, you know, members of oh, yeah. Curb Your Enthusiast. Saturday Night Live has been one of our, we just had the director of Saturday Night Live, Don Roy Hills, actually on right now. Um, but I would like us to evolve into a socio-political format as well, because people like you are every bit as interesting. And okay. that's that's where I like to go. My, my my partner Kenny, he he keeps it pretty show busy so far. But but I would come back on your show. I think I think that we should. You know, I've got your email. I think anytime you have an experience and you make a promise and you don't follow through, and I'm speaking to everybody, then you've betrayed yourself. Any new relationship, feed it, feed it. Send a hi. How are you? Hey, I thought of you today. It's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, you know, I would like to continue, you know, because I don't want, you know, the funny thing about that, about these podcasts is you meet somebody, you have a great yeah. conversation with them. And then where does it go? They what go into the ether. Exactly. What do you do with it? Like it, it, there's no progress being made. And right. to me, it's like, yeah, I could have this conversation where I just wanted to sputter off into the middle of the universe for, you know, for nobody to hear that I can help out in this particular realm that right. we live in right now. And, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I was asking you, like, and I, it, not necessarily I'm a good fit for your show, but if we want to do this again and revisit and tackle the tough issues, idea. I'm down idea. for that. Yeah. Great idea. Because we had a good, you know, back Great and forth. idea. Great okay. idea. Gary, you're amazing. Hey, I, I'm, I'm not amazing, but I'm, uh, I'm honest. You were amazing on this show. Maybe that's and an amazing. You were, and, and you, Great yeah. to have <laughs> you were the most amazing on this show. <laughs> uh, you're kind. You're oh, kind. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, really awesome. I, I enjoyed it so much. And when, uh, when will I get a chance to listen to it? Back. Uh, one week from today. One week from today? Yeah. I look forward to it. All right. Amazing. And uh, if you need anything edited out or whatnot. No, I'm good with it all. I'm good with it all, too. I think it was. I, think I, it was I believe that you have, to, I think it was you have to air everything. I, I'm not a fan of editing because okay. if you said it, you thought it. If you thought it, it's real. Yeah. You know, throw it out there. I am going to take a snippet and throw it at the beginning before, like a funny little snippet oh, sure. at the beginning and then start it. So I gotcha. do what, you know, I am going to edit it that way because it's kind of like, fine. I don't know. This is kind of do your thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Amazing, brother. See you Thank later. Bye-bye. Peace.